Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard. It is Friday, September 11th here in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, an auspicious day. I watched the tribute to the 9-11 victims this morning on the news before coming in. Uh, man, I can't believe even 19 years later how raw that was to be watching that. It was just, it was almost like it had just happened a day or two ago. It was really crazy. And I was thinking about where I was on 9-11 uh, I was actually working for OSHA at the time. I was driving down to Lincoln, Nebraska to do some training down at the Nebraska Safety Council with my friend Chris Reed. And it came over the news, and uh, by the time I got to Lincoln, the class had assembled, and everyone was sitting in front of the television just watching this craziness, man. And, and um, my God, I, I, I can't believe it was 19 years ago. Um, I'll introduce my guest formally here in a moment, but Seth, you remember where you were on 9-11, man? Yeah, I was driving to a... Uh ocean inspection i can't remember what time was ethanol plant was it yeah and i remember sitting there in their conference room or something they had the tv on i was listening to todd and tyler on the way out there oh yeah um and they were talking i mean obviously well as it was going yeah it had been interrupted everybody everything was interrupted that's right so i remember todd and tyler listening to them on the radio driving out to this uh ethanol plant and then spending the day there you know conducting the inspection yeah and uh, with this cloud hanging over everything man yeah that's kind of how we were. We, we literally didn't even hold the class. We just we sat in front of the television for a few hours and then just adjourned and everybody left and went home in, in, in shock. You know, it was, it was crazy. What about you, Pat? What, um, what were you on? Yeah, I too can't believe it's been 19 years. It's 19 crazy. 19 years. Um, I was actually on the other side of the microphone like Todd, like Todd and Tyler were right, in Tulsa, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, doing a, a morning show. And, it, and there was news that came over that a uh, small plane had hit the World mm-hmm. Trade Center. So, you know, we didn't do much. We didn't have a TV in the studio at the time. So then uh, after we found out it was, you know, a lot bigger than that, then oh, yeah. we just, um, we, we have, we had a sister news station. So we just turned over programming for like the next five mm-hmm. days on that. You know, and then everyone was just in shock after the first plane. Right. They couldn't really believe what they'd, what they'd seen or what had happened. And then the second plane hit and then everybody yeah. understood the significance of this. Yeah. Unbelievable. It was crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. So um, I, I would be remiss not mentioning that uh, to get the program started and hopefully, um, Hopefully you all are doing the same. Um, but to get back to the subject at hand, my guest today is, um, well, I've been waiting a long time to have this guy on the show. Uh, we have known each other for probably 25 or more years, I suppose, something like that. Uh, Seth Burmeister is my guest. Seth, so Seth was one of my trainers. When I first got to OSHA, I think 1996, sit up straight so we can get yeah, a picture. No doubt. So, <laughs> about 1996, I came to OSHA. And Seth, Seth Burmeister and Joan Bowen were the two hygienists on staff at the time. And so just by luck, those two became my trainers. They were the ones that trained me all. I'd been doing hygiene for a while, uh, probably eight or nine years prior to that. But you were the ones that trained me how to do the OSHA hygiene, you know, and make inspections and do all of, you know, write up somewhat legally sufficient citations, things like that. Um, We've been friends ever since, but you, you were one of my mentors uh, actually, you know, I mean, and you're significantly younger than me, but actually one of my mentors, one of the people that I think of when I think of who's mentored me along the way, uh, friends, colleagues, we're still colleagues. You're still doing it just like I am. And, um, I just wanted to comment that this program, what's the hazard was named because of you. Um, I think you're aware of that. I think I've mentioned that to you, but when I was a trainee, we would go out on inspections. I would accompany you on an inspection, usually just carry your bags, carry your equipment or something, hold the door for you, as is, as is the way at OSHA. And then uh, after we complete the inspection, you would have me write it up just to get practice writing things up. And I would go back to my cubicle, and I would sit down and type up these citations. And I'd run back to your desk just like a little puppy, all proud of what I'd written. And you'd pull out a red pen, and you would just chop them up with red marks. And you think, oh, you just... You know, I could just hear you mumbling under your breath, and then you would just look at me in, inevitably and say, well, what's the hazard, Doug? I mean, you've got all this stuff in here. You've referenced this citation. You've, you've dug through the regulations. But what I want to know is, what's the hazard? Why is this a problem? And at the time, I thought you were just a dick. But <laughs> the reality is, that was probably the most important lesson that I ever learned at OSHA, man, to really ask and evaluate what is the hazard. That's the basis of everything we do. It really is, and that's that. So welcome. Th- thank you, Doug. <laughs> yeah, man. 
Before we get going, yeah, here, we got a gift for the host. Oh, nice. You know. Nobody ever brings me gifts, well, man. Thank they should. Everybody should bring you a gift, yeah, Doug. I, I agree. But, uh, we got a nice VA bag there for you oh, with nice. some. Is some, that right? Oh, the yeah. You got to well. look at the at the bag a little Excellent. bit. But anyway, got you a nice. Is this you guys? This is, uh, yeah, this is, you made reference to one of the bands. Mighty I've Niche seen, Band. So that's one of the awesome bands. Awesome, so man. got you a nice band t-shirt. So. Fantastic. Are you still playing? No, I haven't played for quite a while. But that's was this okay. the most recent band? Yeah, that was, yeah. The most abject failure? or Yeah, success. I'm sure you guys 30 years. I mean, we've been doing it for 30 years, so it was nice. it was fun. So that, Thanks, too, man. is an extra large, and so hopefully <laughs> Perfect. that, you know. I'm dieting, so it should it should fit. Yeah, don't hit the gym too much, and I'm sure no, you can slam no, right man. into it. But well, so, yeah, so... Um, Tell me a little bit about OSHA from your recollection. Now, you're, you're currently with the VA. You're the safety manager for the VA medical system here in eastern Nebraska, western Iowa. Yeah, it's called that- Nebraska-Western Iowa Healthcare System. So it's, okay. uh, you know, just the, the basics is we have three primary large campuses, Omaha, Lincoln, and Grand Island, and some outpatient clinics, and uh, offer, you know, a wider range of medical services depending on the site. And so there's just... A myriad of different um, services being provided, and along with those services, right. potential hazards. You Absolutely. Know, back, back to the issue that you brought up, and the interesting thing about what you said about the the OSHA reference and what the hazard is is, you know, everybody you have this list of different um, standards, right? And it's pretty black and white, sure. obviously. And those black and white references don't often. Um, equate to what you see or what you experience in the workplace and so there's a lot of factors that you have to take into place when you when you um are assessing workplaces for whatever reason you know whether you're an OSHA compliance officer whether you're the safety manager whether you're the boss of the company you know it's all about managing risk right and how do you manage risk other than to ask, you know, basic questions like what's the hazard to help prioritize because you can't do it all and you can't fix everything all the time. And that's why somebody like your services are so invaluable to different businesses and companies to help, help monitor, manage, assess, and answer that question. What is the hazard? That's really, man, your comments are really on the money. Um, That was certainly one of the things that I learned from you, but just because it's black and white in a regulation doesn't necessarily, as you said, equate to the situation in the workplace. No, not at all. And so, and I think that's a probably a that's probably a challenge for every new compliance officer. Obviously, you want to show your worth, you want to demonstrate your aptitude, so you are very quick to be black and white in the regulations. And I think as you evolve as a safety person, you learn a little bit more subjectivity. You learn, you know. Is this significant? Is this really putting people at risk? Or is it just a reference to a regulation in a book? It's really kind of an art. I know Corey, when she was on, she referenced the fact that when she came, she came to the VA and she did very well for us. And that's why she got promoted and moved on to a a higher position. And so what was hard for her, I think, is when she came, she said, hey, this stuff's wrong. You know, you got to fix it. And it's like, no, you have to get buy-in. You have to get... uh, you have to offer some element of credibility. You know, it's almost like you're you're selling it a little bit. Uh, and so it's not like the OSHA world at all, mm-hmm. even in different government, let alone private sector right. um, situations. And so um, it is different coming but, from the OSHA compliance side to to having to put the stuff in practice. Right. It's that, different. That's, and that's where you have to weigh what the hazard is. You have to manage the risk. You have to put this all in this pot and stir this together and make things work. And that's what makes our jobs hard in the safety and health world. And, you know, the other thing is the classic sayings, uh, last hired, first fired. I mean, you know, you have to build that credibility into your position and into what you're doing. And that's somewhat on the person, you know, and their personality and all these things start coming into play. And I hate to say sales, but you're, you have to pull people in and make in, not that it's not important, but make it important in a way that they can understand and embrace and, right. and improve the, the health, that the health and well-being of the, we always talk about uh, the employees, right? That's the whole OSHA thing, but it goes way beyond that. It could be employees, it can be customers, it can be the structure, the building that you're protecting, all these different fat. It all starts playing together. Um, 
in a in a big picture and that hence goes back to what what's the hazard i mean it all kind of revolves around that in a bigger a bigger piece of the puzzle and that's what i learned coming from the osha perspective where you point your finger at the book and then um now we have to put that book in place and make something function you know patient right. care occur or it could be making widgets whatever the situation is so um and that's a service that i think is important that you offer to maybe your clients or or, or whoever um that you can come in and you know before we went on air we kind of talked about people in this field you have to be rational and and have a good head on your shoulders and understand the whole perspective and in order to make this stuff work. And I think that's something that you offer. I think that you have, you personally have a good head on your shoulders, understand, I'll call it the game, how this stuff fits together and how you can create a product and assist um, a company to, to answer what's the hazard or help prioritize risk or, or um, so you, you get it. I mean, and there's some, well, some people that get it, but some people in the sure. field don't get it, you know, you, you know, you made a great comment. I think um, the OSHA world is a little bit artificial in the respect that, you know, we would go in and we would identify what we believed to be regulatory deficiencies, perhaps, or violations, we'll call them. And, and we were in a position where we could compel an employer to fix those things, you know, or they would go to great lengths to try to argue that and perhaps, you know, and, and uh, come up with some alternative. But it was easy to go in there and say, that's wrong, fix it. And then when you go out into the actual world, when you leave that regulatory world and you go out into the world, much like what you're doing or what I'm doing, and you have to get buy-in and you have to explain why these things are important, why they're, why they need to be changed, and then wait to see if that, you know, impacts management, the decision makers. Sometimes they don't. They they, they take it under advisement. They put it on the on the chart. It's about managing risk. Maybe we'll go look at it again later. Yeah. But it's also managing all aspects of that business. Yeah. You're managing obviously the economic impact of those changes. And I know of a number of former OSHA people that went out into the world and really struggled with that because they were used to just saying that needs to be fixed. And when nothing happened, they didn't really have the skill set to try to convince someone yeah. or, or educate someone or, yeah. or guide someone yeah. to that, to that objective. Yeah. They were used to just saying it and it happening. And that, that was, that was a difficult transition. Yeah, you can uh, you can be a CIH, CSP, whatever, have all the training background in the world, but if you can't convey that and get the message out and move forward and make improvements, that's that's hard. That's a hard. Very hard. That's a hard. And then another thing, you know, we I, I mentioned what I consider the game. You know, hopefully you'll do one of these podcasts on like like a one B and what goes into it. In interesting, yeah. Not not to say. I don't want to sit here and say safety and health and people's safety and health or employees safety and health is a game, but there is another side or facet, you know, about a legally supported or defensible right. Um, right. citations have to be citation. And, and, right. and that's another thing that you, that you can offer to your clients is you understand what if if there's OSHA citation, you understand what a legally defensible um, sure. citation is and or is, isn't or isn't <laughs> right. And, and so not that that's things. just one facet of the game, you mm -hmm. know, and not that that's the important thing is that you take care of your employees. You know, right. that's the important. That's why we're doing what we do. It's not to get out of OSHA citations, although it may be it's not to do this or that. You know, ultimately, we have the same goal. But that is a facet of the game is a legally defensible I don't even know if they call them 1Bs anymore. Right, but I don't either, man. Legally, legally defensible case. And then right. I, I know you've done work in that venue too, mm -hmm. right? You we know, still do, sure. Court cases and so sure. and such. So They still have to be legally sufficient. They're, you know, they're, the prima facie elements have to be met. And that's interesting. You know, um, there is, uh, you know, there's a lot of focus on that, on the actual elements of the citation and those kind of things. But... You know, it, it, I don't know. I mean, it's not always, it doesn't have the impact that if you can get people to understand why these things are so significant. I mean, you, you say that you refer to it as a game and mm -hmm. we used to always refer to it as a game and, and that's not to minimize the importance of what we're doing. That's not, not meant to be derogatory, no. but it is kind of this give and take. 
you know, this uh, little dance that we do oftentimes. And ultimately, everybody has the same objective, but everybody has different duties. Everybody has a diff- different role in this little game that game. we're playing, yeah. you know. And uh, OSHA's role, obviously, is, is fairly apparent, you know. I mean, I was always disappointed, I think, in OSHA that we didn't spend more time training and educating and uh, trying to inform but I'm not sure necessarily that that's their role in this whole game that we're referring to. Yeah, I don't know either. I think I feel sorry for employers that are trying to comply with, you know, I'll just speak for myself coming from the OSHA world, going into healthcare. Uh, I felt comfortable with safety and health standards, but I have uh, EPA type issues um, on my plate now I have emergency management issues now not unlike the 9-11 mm-hmm. issue we just got done talking about now I mean it's a different world when mm-hmm. I obviously in the big picture of things I'm just talking in healthcare when I started in healthcare what, 20 years ago whatever it was there was a totally different emphasis on emergency management then than there is now I'll bet. and so I've had to learn a lot of things and I've spent my life you know, I look at, you know, professional guitar players and I say, why can't I be as good as X or Y, mm-hmm, you know, this mm-hmm. whatever person I'm into at the time. And, uh, but they've spent their lifetime perfecting that craft, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe starving or sleeping on a pool table at night or whatever to be what they are. And um, I guess I look at that in us in the safety and health field and it's hard for a small employer to know what we know and comply with OSHA, this EPA mess, you know, try to prov- provide a safe and helpful work environment for their employees when mm-hmm. their their skill or craft is maybe making widgets or parts right. for a space shuttle. I don't know, you know, some deal like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, they're, again, not trying to pimp your service. It's not, it's not the point. The point is that, you know, it, I think it's important for the employer to know when to ask f- for help. Mm-hmm. Without because, question. Because there is that part of the game or whatever that they may need help with to, to, I mean, it's hard. It's hard. Incredibly difficult. It's hard for me that I've spent my whole, the more, and everyone says this, the more I do this, the less I know. I mean, it is just so, and it's, it's so important to know who your resources are. Right. Um, Which is the the whole point of this podcast is just uh, identify resources and share information. You know, I still call, you or Uncle Phil or, you know, just talked to Corey the other day, um, you know, networking, mm-hmm. you know, to get the common good or goal out there, right. not only to do what's right for the employees, but also to do what's right economically for the boss, you know, and what's right for your customers or your patients, right. you know, all that stuff start playing together. Mm-hmm. And um, ultimately, you know, you want to go to work and have a good time and enjoy going to work and thinking that you're being productive and, and contributing something, producing a product and, right. and helping. Sometimes that's hard because you can't do it all. Like I had a boss one time that I, you know, would go in and say, Hey, you know, we're this, this, and this is wrong. What do you want me to do? How do you want me? You, it all has to be fixed. All of it. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no, you can't do this or not that it all. Right. And I, I'm like, Whoa, wait a minute. You can't fix everything all the time. That's where it comes back into managing risk. We mm-hmm. all manage risk every day driving right. here. We manage risk and how do you manage risk? You do that by starting by asking what's a hazard. Yeah, exactly. That's where it starts. I mean, that should basically be the first question you always ask is what is the hazard and uh, what are the consequences? What, what's the severity? What's the probability? All of those things that we do in a risk assessment. Yeah. And you so know? something that just happened recently to illustrate that, and I, I'm struggling with it right now. It's going to sound kind of minor, but in my world it's not. Uh, we just updated some chemo compounding areas or, or you know, areas where they mix mm-hmm. um, hazardous drugs or, or chemo, and these are very clean areas. And uh, the sprinklers, sprinkler heads that they installed in this area are the flush-mounted uh, enclosed mm-hmm. up in the ceiling. So you don't see the head. It's just right. got a, a white ring under it or a white disc underneath it. And it's for cleaning purposes. Keep this area clean, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen exposed sprinkler heads, but they start getting cobwebs and sure. stuff on it. So 
the VA has a directive that says we, we don't use the flush-mounted heads because they release at a, a slower rate or time. It takes more heat for the thing to pop down, and, mm-hmm. and, and they've had some issues with those things. So we say we're not going to use those. But yet, in these clean compounding areas, you would want the, the cleaner situation than the exposed head. Mm-hmm. So my point is, you're doing that. You're, you're asking, what's the hazard? What's the risk? You're mm-hmm. assessing, is it better to have it cleaner for the better uh, chance of a, a clean product for the patient? Are we accepting some a little bit higher fire risk here versus, you know, and so... Every day we have those debates mm-hmm. on some level with something, and um, right. that's our job, right. right? And then you have to gather information and make the best decision you can, and then you move forward. But you all it starts with asking what's the hazard and weigh that risk, mm-hmm. you know, so. and solving problems. And that that that's an interesting. You've you've said a bunch of stuff that I want to talk about, but you know, I think that you know problem solving. Risk assessment, problem solving is really uh, a, a skill that is in great demand, which is why, you know, people like you have become the managers of those programs because there has to be a certain level, obviously a certain technical understanding, but there also has to be a certain calm and rationality when you're trying to make those determinations because there probably isn't a perfect answer to those things. Well, the other You're drawing on experience, you're drawing on your understanding of risk assessment, the other saying that I've always said, it, you're in the safety and health, you're the hero or the zero, you know, and, and to mm-hmm. your point, that kind of. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, you, you and I have both been doing safety a long time. I've probably been doing it 30 some years. You're probably right in that same ballpark, man. Yeah. yeah. And, and when we were with OSHA, uh, Omaha, the Omaha area office is a relatively small office. So we were expected, and you and I were, you actually started as a safety, converted over to a hygienist. Um, but we did general industry, we did construction, we did a lot of different things. You were kind of expected to be, you know, a master of nothing, but, you know, have ex- experience with, with a little bit of everything. And then on a very limited basis, we would do healthcare periodically. We might do an asbestos inspection at a hospital yeah. or we might do a yeah. nursing home or something. I have learned over that 30 years that I can't do that, man. I, I, I do almost exclusively now, you know, industrial facilities safety, industrial safety, or industrial hygiene. I don't do much construction anymore. I don't do much healthcare anymore. I think to your point, I have learned that it's too much to be, and I'm, my fear is that I'm going to miss something, you know? And so if nothing else, over 30 years, I have learned my limitations. You know, I don't try to be everything to everybody anymore. And that makes me much more comfortable. It's interesting you say that because I feel that in my job a lot. Like uh, one thing that OSHA I don't think does well at all is NFPA fire protection type stuff. There in the old days is like yeah, there's an extinguisher and okay next you know, and that was one thing I had to learn was NFPA stuff, uh, especially in healthcare. Um, well, life safety codes yeah, and all that stuff uh, is so significant in your world, and so. I, I, I struggle with that too. Like they might bring us a set of drawings, a hundred pages of drawings and, and I'm not an ex, I'm no engineer, I, you know, and you flip through it and they build it and something's messed up. I and mean, why didn't you catch that? You know, I'm like, uh, you know, and there's people in, in our field that spend their life. Like we talked about people that have honed their craft over. There's people that just have spent their whole career on fire doors that know everything there is to know about fire doors. And I'm supposed to right give uh, input on managing our our fire doors in our healthcare system about mm-hmm. what you can do with them, what you can't, when you can cut a hole, when you can't, you know, what kind of mm-hmm. screws need to be in, what kind of hinges, all this stuff. There's people that spent their lifetime mm-hmm. just on fire doors. I can't compete with that. I know. Yeah, I, I, I have that same. And it's not a frustration. It's just a realization, I think. We've just come to the realization that I know my wheelhouse. I try to stay in my on, in my lane. And uh, there is so much to the field, which is why your comment earlier about the network, you know, your network is so important. I still, I don't do a lot of healthcare anymore, but when I have healthcare questions, I either call you or Corey, Mm -hmm. Phil, maybe, you know, I mean, I have people that I know that I can go to that have more experience in that than me. And, you know, that is just, that's true of about everything. If you really drill down into the details of anything, you know, machine guarding, electrical safety, as you were talking about, you know, um, sanitation or 
you know, clean rooms and things like that. I mean, it's just, it can be a little bit overwhelming. It, it, it is. It is for me, especially for like NFPA codes, fire protection codes. Like uh, I'll read the code, like two sentences out of the code and it means X to me. It means something. Well, I'll call one of my resources within the VA that sits on these boards that put mm-hmm. these codes in place. And I say, I'll, I call him and say, hey, Pete, uh, this means this to me. You know, I'm reading this. He goes, no, no, no. When Jack Spratz stood up at the meeting on July 23rd, it was about an auditorium that they had that had an exit mm-hmm. out the back on the third story. And, in the you know, he's got all this backstory about these two sentences that I interpret one way. And there's this whole debate that occurred over those two sentences that I'm just totally off base. I can't compete right. with that. How, no. how, how do you compete with that? How do you ask Joe employer out here on the corner of this, this strip mall thing to compete? How? I agree. You do your best. Well, we used to, do you remember we used to keep those old, uh, those really thin paper copies of the preambles to the standards and there'd be 900 pages of preamble that led to the development of a four page standard, mm-hmm. but all of that background went into those decisions. So who reads that stuff? I can remember our old boss, who shall remain nameless to some degree. Um, man, he used to just chew my ass for not having read and devour, you know, devoured the compliance directives. You know, I mean, it w- it was even in that little OSHA lane, which, as you said earlier, is just a small part of this whole safety thing. I mean, yes. just this, the regulatory compliance piece yeah. is a very small piece, but even that can be overwhelming. It, it it's a big. It's a big undertaking. And that's what I mean by calling it a game somewhat. You know, you can read those two sentences and I can read those two sentences and we can have a debate, right? You know, and and not to make light of it, but there is so much backstory and interpretation and weighing of risk in asking of what the hazard is to get somewhere. Right. And and that's that's a struggle in our in our world. Um to make all the pieces fit and make a business or a process operate. Yeah. You, you know, another thing um, that uh, I learned from you, I'm, I'm a fairly excitable person. Uh, I can be somewhat emotional at times. And and um, you, you always had, at least while I was training with you, a certain amount of calm, you know, that I always, uh, I didn't really understand it, but I would always appreciate it. I can remember specifically on one on one inspection that I accompanied you on we went into just a small little small business I think the guy printed something or something was in Waterloo maybe or somewhere up there and this guy you know you did the introduction hey we're with OSHA we're here to make an inspection got a complaint or whatever it was and the guy just went batshit crazy and he was screaming and yelling at us and I was in immediately in flight or fight you know I was uh, the hair on my neck was standing up and I looked over at you and you were just kind of standing and sitting you know just kind of looking off into space I think you were just zone you went to your happy place for a few minutes or wherever that yeah. was you know yeah. just waiting him for him to calm down and I learned that from you, man, and, and, and safety oftentimes can be very high anxiety or a lot of pressure and stuff, and you really need, the calmer heads need to prevail oftentimes in this world, it seems like. Well, I hate to say this, but I'll, when you're doing those inspections and the employers, you, you break them at some point. I hate to say it that way. I'm not saying break them in a, in a standard way and feeding them citations they don't deserve. I don't mean that, but right. there's like an emotional breaking that once they get that off their chest, they just completely decompress and you can go forward. Right. And I, and I, I've learned that, you know, whether, you, you know, you read different people, right. You know, and, and how that is. And so you're right. You just sit there, let them get it off their chest, you know, and, and you can almost see them deflate after they're done. And then you can take a breath and say, okay, let's do yeah, this. Then you can move on. And so, you know, I was on a, an inspection with a, a young lady um, and she got into a big debate with the owner of this company and she was crying and, the, you know, it turned into this big thing, you know. And I learned a lot from that because I came back to that boss that you referenced and I said, hey, how much of this do we need to take? You know, how mm-hmm. much how much is too much? And I learned from him about kind of where that dividing line Mm -hmm. or that, that, that line was, you don't have to take any more than this. Uh, And so that was a big learning experience for me and gave me a little self-confidence about those situations, about how to read the situations and when enough was enough, you know, 
And and to your point, you know, I'm pretty easy going and if somebody wants to chew my butt, that's fine. You know, I don't, it doesn't mean anything to me, but I can read it and I can see when the person's they're done right. and we move on. And then they're basically, I hate to say this too, but they're like putty in your hands. I got, I can get what I need now and right. I go do my job and get the thing done and I'm out of there. And yeah. so you read the person in the mm-hmm. situation. Well, and, and we do that all the time. I mean, as safety professionals, you are reading people constantly. I mean, if you're trying to convince someone of something, you've got an employee that just, for whatever reason, is not buying into the oh, yeah. program. It, it's about reading them to some extent, or managers who are the same, you know, I mean, they disagree with you or mm-hmm. whatever, obviously. Yeah. And that was a skill that I did not have. I, I was not particularly well suited to enforcement. You know, my temperament. I've always been a people pleaser, and it, may, it was very difficult for me to, you know, um, and you didn't have to do it often, but it was difficult for me to take on the, the role of enforcer. Now, there were certainly employers that we dealt with who needed yeah. to be uh, straightened out. There there were bad employers that were doing bad things for their employees, but the majority were not like that. So, But it just didn't come easy to me, and so I, I was always envious of the fact that you could just – modulate that somehow because it always just typically for the first two years I was with OSHA I had a knot in my stomach every time I'd go to make an inspection I'd be waiting to see what this guy was going to do when I went in the door so yeah I guess I was that way at first but then it becomes so rote after a while that I hate to say that but it got it gets you know you almost feel like a rock star when they say you know only the names will change you're at a different place you know and it's mm-hmm. just where where am i tonight you know and they have to write the name of the city on the right. on the <laughs> right. sheet at the, you know and yeah, it, almost, it did it, become like that. it got like that for me at department of labor before i left it's mm-hmm. like you could have sent me anywhere and it wouldn't have mattered i just yeah. would have gone and done it and it wouldn't have got matter if the person was chewing my backside or not i just go in and do it and get my work done and job yeah. done and, and that that's was kind of that's unhealthy to be at a job where it just becomes totally more ro- more robotic or yeah. just a habit of some sort. Yeah. But on the other hand, man, it, it was it was important to survive in that world. Frankly, if you yeah. were if you responded to each of those assaults, I mean, verbal, oh. whatever, you you would be a basket case. So oh. you really couldn't. You had to develop some kind of a defense mechanism for that. Yeah. I don't think people necessarily appreciate how difficult. That, that could be at times. And, and maybe it's different now. Maybe employers are a little bit more accepting of OSHA in activity. But, man, I, I remember when we were doing it back in the, the 90s and early 2000s, it was um, – there were times when it was very um, adversarial and it was, uh, you know, even – you know, you'd be looking for the back door periodically. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard, like – on fatality investigations, you'd have the grieving family and you'd have to deal with the employer that has his guard up because he's worried about getting sued. And then you'd have to deal with attorneys and then you'd have to come back and work with your own people. And not only sometimes that wasn't friendly working with your own uh, bosses because you didn't do something right. And so the thing that I, that was hard for me at the department of labor was it was like nobody was on your side. Uh, the employees didn't like you because they didn't want you. They didn't want to wear the stuff or whatever. They didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And the employer didn't want you there. Sometimes you didn't get support from your own your own um, bosses for different various reasons. And so it's like you there was no right, right. support mechanism for you. I, I agree. Other than your coworkers yeah. occasionally, yeah. Which I found was interesting. And, and I'd, I'd ask you, well, you know, what fond memories do you have of your OSHA time? How long were you with OSHA? Uh, Eleven years. Eleven years. Okay. You know, what do you remember fondly about it? Well, when I started, uh, started I was a GS five right out of college, and that was kind of an interesting story. I graduated with an environmental science degree, and I don't even know what that means to this day. <laughs> right, but right. it's like a watered down biology degree, I guess. And so, uh, I was living at home in the parents' basement basically for six months after college, and my, you could tell my parents were like, eh, "You can get a job or something." And so, I went around applying for jobs that now realizing I was not capable or ready for those type of jobs, maybe a a safety job or environmental job with a manufacturer. And it's like, I I knew nothing, you know? And so anyway, there was um, these tests called administrative careers with America, where you could go in and take these tests like SAT type tests Mm -hmm. um, put on by the aptitude aptitude test. And there's like, 
finance one, a science one, all these like six different ones. And I took the, the science one. Mm-hmm. And about a month later, I got a call saying, hey, uh, there's a job with OSHA in Omaha. You're interested in it? I'm like, what's OSHA? You know, right. didn't know. So I went down and met with the supervisor and said, are you interested? And I said, sure. You know, at this point, my folks were ready to get me out of the house so anyway started down there and then fond memories I remember when we first started we didn't have computers at that time and all these one b's and things we're talking about those are all handwritten so you're sitting there talking about getting red pens I got red penned and I'd have to go back and rewrite all the crap uh because they would trash your whole thing and you have to go back and rewrite so it you literally rewrite the Liter- whole literally yeah and and that's great uh, bless his heart uh I learned from Bob Bruno a uh, good friend of mine um, and even how you learned changed, meaning when Bob came up through the system, he worked for insurance companies and they would, he said they would go and you would go to like a five and dime and you would learn everything about that five and dime. You would learn all the, the safety and health stuff. You'd learn all the fire, everything about five and dimes. And once you got that, you'd move to the other. So a little bit better training process. Mm-hmm. And we got the department of labor, you just got thrown in. Mm-hmm. You had to know everything. And that's, that's tough. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, Bob, uh, trained me. And, uh, so I, I remember going out with Bob a lot. That was fun. I remember getting computers in the office and learning, uh, that whole process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big boxes, the uh, old CRT type. Oh yeah. Other things. It seemed like. Did it, you guys draw pictures of your violations when you first started? No, we had uh, pol- cameras Polaroid cameras. Did you? No crap. Polaroid <laughs> cameras. Yep. And then, so you would tape the picture into the yep, file? Yeah. Tape it right on the 1B. Yep. Nice. And then we went to film. And then I remember going to video cameras, Robo Kosho, you know, mm-hmm. video camera. Now you're like, are you kidding me? I remember, you know? I remember we had one giant video camera for the office. I think it was one of those shoulder mounted, <sighs> you know, 80 pounds. Uh, and nobody wanted to take it, of no, course. No, And they force us to take those out there. It's come a long way since then. Man. And then when I first started, it was like, to me, the land of misfit toys in there of all the different personalities. But that also brought flavor to the to the office. And I learned, I learned from a lot of really good people like Dan Corcoran, IH. I mean, he really knows his stuff. And mm-hmm. he's now uh, with Columbia Southern University. Um, but Dan... Um, and Dan is yeah, responsible for helping guy. me get yeah. the job I'm in now. And so it's all about there again, your mm-hmm. contacts and your resources, mm-hmm. but, uh, um, and you're right. I mean, when I, when I came to the office, you and Joan were the IHs and then there was Darwin, of course, who has been there since they opened the doors, I think. And yeah. Matt Gaines was one of the safeties, Chester Young. Um, I think Frank Winningham was there. Frank, I learned a lot from Frank. Abs- yeah. I did too. Um, I did learn how to like hold my bladder from Frank because do you remember Frank would we would go on to job sites and Frank would never take a break. We didn't stop. Yeah. We didn't take a lunch. We did. He yeah. would just press through the inspection, you know, eight straight hours. And the employer would be looking at me, and I'd be looking at the employer like I don't know, man. I don't think we take breaks. He uh, <laughs> I, and I don't know if that was intentional. Probably to some degree, Frank liked to just kind of maintain control of yeah, the inspection we'll yeah, say or something that's fair. yeah and uh but and who else was in the office at that time when i came on they hired three of us at once so it was denny hitzfeld gina sims and i all came on together three of us and i think that was then a full complement of compliance officers possibly sure. i know bunny and bernie were the assistant directors and then ben was the area director yeah. at the time yeah. and i've got to be honest you know the camaraderie was great um and it's interesting, you know, I think that there is so much, um, I don't want to say maybe negativity is the wrong word, but you're dealing constantly with fatalities and accidents and pain and suffering. Uh, even in the inspections, even a routine inspection, there's always that, or there was commonly an adversarial component. So there's a lot of tension. And so we, we actually played a lot. I think there was a lot of... Um, goofing around and, and uh, like pranking each other mm-hmm. simply because I think there, there was a lot of tension in the office and you needed to have some outlet. And I think that's formulated probably who I am for good or for bad a little bit when you see all these worst case scenarios all the time, all these people getting hurt, you know, and, and 
when you're out and about, you say, oh, better not do that because, you know, you think, oh, this could happen to you and you can almost overanalyze everyday life because of so much maybe trauma or negative situations that you experience as a compliance officer because most to your point most of it's bad there most isn't a lot bad. of a lot of success there are a few success stories but more usually when you're out there it's not due to a success more story right. yeah and well, i think that formulates a person's a little bit your too. psyche a little bit and i think i think that is um it's interesting that the dynamic that creates with the employer because as an osha person who deals with that stuff certainly Every day, even, you know, in, in, we would have office meetings and we would discuss the fatality investigations that were ongoing and accidents that were ongoing and things of that nature. And as you said, it, it impacts you. And then when you go out to an employer and start pointing at that grinder that's not guarded correctly and they just roll their eyes yeah. like, what the hell are you talking we about? We every day, yeah. But yeah, yeah, so that, I think that has created a dynamic, unfortunately, where the employers think the OSHA guys are just picky Mm-hmm. And OSHA oftentimes thinks the employers aren't concerned enough, mm-hmm. and it's I think in large part because of that that yeah. experience. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's hard when you see the worst case scenario all the time. I think it is too. I think it impacts how you conduct your business, and it's that's not always easily understood by the employer. And I think that that was a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you remember? Um, I was a relatively new guy. We were on like 69th and Pacific over there by the Venice Inn, that original, that, the office. That's where I started. Yeah. And I can remember there was a period of time where um, I would get phone calls. And uh, the people that I was speaking with were always like, uh, huh? What? <laughs> do you remember this? <laughs> I think for an entire yeah, month, man, yeah. every time I was on the phone... <laughs> I would be until your voice is loud in the first place, <laughs> and people could not hear me. And I'm like, "What the hell?" And finally, it had to be a month later, at, li- at least a month. I was talking to my brother, and my brother is like, "What the hell is wrong with your phone, man? I can't hear a word you're saying." And I finally looked down at that phone, and some asshole had put tape over the. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, that was you, wasn't it? And you guys would just sit there and listen oh. to me screaming on the phone. For at least a month, it had to be a month before I finally you realized. You talk loud in the on. first place, but you're scre- screaming. Oh my god, man! I, I, that was, and then from that day forward, I did it to every new person that came into the office. <laughs> the other, the other one I did to Bob. Mentioned Bob. Bob had real thick glasses with bifocals or trifocals, and I would take. Um, scotch tape and put it over the bifocal part his glasses were like thick enough and dirty enough that you couldn't notice the scotch tape on <laughs> so he couldn't he couldn't read through his he bifocal put his glasses on it was all messed oh up and, and, and i think it was you too that put all of those you took about two years worth of three-hold punch the punches out of that or did we do that to you put it in your desk so you opened up the desk drawer and it was just completely full of those little three-hold paper punched I mean, th- th- you look back on this and you think, wow, we were pretty childish, man. Oh, but yeah, but it, was, it was just a release to try to yeah. uh, relieve some of that pressure, I think. I think, I think ultimately retrospect. it probably was, Doug. I never looked at it like that. But I remember we would find photos like in the newspaper of photos that looked similar to people in the office. And we'd photocopy their heads and blow it up to full size and make like a almost like a two-dimensional Where's Waldo type mm-hmm. mimic of the person sitting in their desk and you'd walk by and you'd do a double take oh, yeah. because this this paper you, person would be sitting in there. So Chester, Chester had been um, with the agency quite a long time. I think he'd started out in insurance like most of the original safety people and then came to OSHA. And, and he was a grown man when I got there. He was probably very near retirement and um, he was not terribly computer savvy. <laughs> I can remember one time he sat right next to me in the cubicle right next to me. And I can remember one time Bonita, who was our team leader, came back and, and she said, Chester, did you get that email I sent you? And he was like, oh, and he kind of stomped his feet when he get nervous, you know. And um, so she came over, took his mouse from him and opened up his email. And he had about, I think, 2,400 unopened emails or something <laughs> that had just been 
sure. backing up in his, yeah. you know, and um, he was old time. So he that, was old time yeah, guy. Yeah. He was the guy that wrote things out on a paper one yeah, B for sure originally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What? Well, having said that, what? Um, when you look back at the agency, and I do this from time to time. I, I, I actually really cherish my time working for OSHA. I learned a lot, but but there were things about it I didn't. I mean, ultimately, I quit. You know, I didn't retire from OSHA. I quit, and I believe you did too. We both just separated from the agency and went on to different things. Um, would you change anything about the agency, or do you think that it fulfills the role that it's intended to fulfill? I guess, well, my first comment is an OSHA job is a great place to learn safety and health. It is. I mean, it is, in my opinion, probably the premier way to learn safety and health. I mean, that's just one facet, meaning like we talked about that. There's so many other components, but it's a really good way to learn the business. I would agree. Um, things that, I guess the things that frustrate me in, in uh, a peer of mine at work said this recently, and I'm trying to, trying to keep it as a mantra for myself, but, but don't, don't look for yourself in others. And because you'll only be disappointed, I guess the frustrating thing for me with Department of Labor was, you know, I think my values and my opinions are, are right. Mm-hmm. And sure. all those different people use, I don't want to say use that power, but use that position differently than I would. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of subjectivity in the OSHA process. And I think that to me is probably the biggest flaw. Mm hmm. And if everybody did it like me or thought like me, that's right. You know what I sure, mean? Sure. And, but you I think say we all have that about opinion. Any, Absolutely. Anyone can say that. And so, you know, you see some people that treat it like like you're a policeman, right? And then some people that are foreign outers, you know what I mean? There's this mm-hmm. whole gamut of things going on instead mm-hmm. of what's right, you know? And what you think is right is probably different than what I think is right. So if anything that I think is is tainted or jaded about the process or the system is that, but you can say that about anything in life Probably. about if the policeman gives you a ticket for going five over or, and it doesn't give me one. Cause I was going, you know, whatever. I mean, there's just, those well, there debates. is, a, there is a great deal of subjectivity involved in the inspection process you from inspector it. to inspector. And I know, I think the agency's aware of that and they have tried to control that to some degree. But I was always, I, I agree with you, and, I, you know, and the, just the inspection process in general, um, if you, you know, there were 10 compliance officers, I think was a full compliment when we were there, if we had 10 compliance officers for the whole state of Nebraska. And if you sent each of us through a plant, we would all come back with yeah. different lists. Yeah. Some people would have an incompliance, no citations, and mm-hmm. some people would find, you know, a variety of different things. I think it was always interesting. I don't know that that's unfortunate. I think it's just the nature of auditing to some extent, which is why it's probably important to have different people involved in auditing to some degree to see if, because we all miss something and that's true from time to time. I felt sorry for you newbie people because, you know, I had the experience of Bob and some other um, senior IHs. Not that I didn't do an amazing job. Joan and I didn't do an amazing oh, you job did. training you, but absolutely. Um, yeah, the business has changed. You know, it used to be the person with the most knowledge mm-hmm. was the most on the ball, and now mm-hmm. it's more like about we got to get out. We have to do so many inspections. You have to do th- you have to do this this blanket. You know, and right. and I th- I think I just think the knowledge expectation and basis changed a little bit yeah. from the old days. Yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, we we talked about this probably when we were there. I think. I think we took pride sometimes in being being able to cite things that we did not routinely cite yeah. and being able to find things that you might. Because I think if you look back at most compliance officers' years, they cite the same things over and over yeah. and over. They become, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing that, but you become comfortable with certain things. Yeah. You look for certain yeah. things. Um, and that's wrong. You know, truly the OSHA compliance officer should be going out and asking, what's the hazard? And exactly. then applying the standards to abate that issue right. is really how it should be. Right. Um, 
not trying to brag, but like one year, I remember this was on my performance evaluation. That's the only reason I'm going to mention it is like one year I didn't cite the same standard twice. Cited completely all different standards for the whole year. Wow. And I'm not saying, I mean, but to me, that's the, you should be going out looking for the hazard in the workplace and helping that employer and that employee Mm -hmm. uh, away from that issue. You know what I'm saying? And that's truly the crux of the matter. And then, you know, um, yeah, you just have different, well, so that, styles, that's, right? that's an interesting comment too, man. And, um, you know, there, there are things that are, um, violations of a regulation. And then there are the things that actually hurt your employees. And I, I can remember I was in record keeping training down in Kansas city or something very early in my career. And we were talking about the fact that, you know, what you issue citations for and, and typically we're talking, these are preemptive. We're trying to, you know, identify things before they hurt someone, but they are very loosely correlated to what's on that OSHA 300 log. I mean, there there's very little similarity between I'm citing your grinder, I'm citing your, no, your fire extinguisher, true. and then I look at your 300 log and you've got strains and sprains and slips and falls and, you know, maybe a laceration here or there, foreign body in the eye, something like that. But, but the correlation is very weak mm-hmm. between those two, and so... You, ha- you almost have to manage both aspects of you have to manage compliance yeah. and you have to manage what's actually hurting your employees. That's a great comment. And I'll just speak from the healthcare. Everything in healthcare is data driven, everything. And so to your point, that's a great, a great comment in the fact that we pit, we have to have like management plans and process improvements all the time. And the only way that you can pick those is data driven. And then you have to show improvements based on that. So in healthcare, we're forced to do that, mm-hmm. and we have to pull in pieces of the safety and health program into those process improvements. But to your point, you don't see that in normal industry. Typically and, not. And there is a super huge gap between what you're saying you're seeing on the 300 log and then the, the schmucky stuff you may be citing in the in the uh, you you know wouldn't that be a huge a huge uh, disparity if you went into a, a business and the only thing you could cite were things related to injuries that were experienced on the 300 log you know just think it of would that. be interesting just, wouldn't it and, and we you know and maybe you issue citations for those things and you give just warnings for the other things the preemptive stuff i, I was all I, and, and again it's just based on my personality yeah. Um, I, I, you know again but i was always disappointed that we didn't do a little bit more of that maybe just for small businesses, maybe, you know, I mean, maybe the companies that are larger or have their own safety departments, maybe they could be held to a different standard mm-hmm. somehow. I, I don't know exactly how that would work, but it was always um, disappointing to me when I was issuing citations to an employer who genuinely didn't know that yeah. these were problems. And and again, it, that doesn't excuse them from no. needing to know those things, but I was always, you know, maybe there would be a way that OSHA could actually give a warning of some sort or just a notification and then I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, again, that's just me being maybe no, I, I soft get, or something. No, no, I totally get what you're saying. The only thing I would comment on there is I've been to plenty of places that, you know, the employers never heard of OSHA, mm-hmm. but somebody, something drastic just happened to one of their yeah. employees. And so you're torn, you know, yeah. just exactly no, what you're, you're right. saying about, man, this drastic thing just happened. And this guy doesn't even know, anything about what the expectation is for him. And you could say, well, then he shouldn't be in business if he doesn't know what's exp- you know, but That's not the way the system is set up. And so right. it is, it is a struggle. Um, and you would like to help. Um, but then many times I think that employer is more concerned about getting the widgets out than he is about right. getting a guard made for that shaft, sure. you know? And, and so yeah, it's a struggle, but that's why we have jobs, right? Sure. And that's why there is OSHA, and that's why we're having this conversation right now. It's because all this is right. happening right now out in front of us every day. And it's, yeah, it's a huge struggle. It's And then it becomes ethics and morals and all these things, and it, I guess that's life. And so mm-hmm. safety and health right. is really life. You could say that about any business or industry, but truly, Probably. truly, that's what it starts coming down to and that's where like i have my vision or view of what i, I think's right absolutely and you probably do too and 
Right. And at some point, someone has to step up and, you know, make those decisions. And hopefully it's being based on those, you know, those characteristics. But so we're getting close to wrapping up, man. So tell me, do you remember any, any particular inspections or any occurrences with OSHA that uh, you, that you uh, chuckle when you think about Um, any, any stories in particular? I remember one. And I think you and, and Joan were still there. We were doing like a radiator shop program, lead exposures in radiators. It was kind of a local emphasis program. And I was sent out into these really small communities, typically to these really dingy little radiator shops. And um, that, that particular program caused me more aggravation, man. I can remember driving out into the middle of nowhere in Nebraska and uh, having to ask for directions from, like, the local municipal office. You know, it's the one where you walk in and there's six guys sitting around the table drinking coffee and everything stops and they all stare at you. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, they gave me directions out to this place. And I can remember, you know, driving out, you know, to the end of the pavement, getting on the gravel, then driving on dirt, and then, like, double track. And I finally got out to the place. And it was this, it was like a homestead. And it was, you know fenced in it had like concertina wire on the top Mm -hmm. and i could see in the back there was a little sign you know it was like dangling on one nail that said radiators or something and uh i immediately turned around drove back to omaha and checked the block that said could not locate you know because there was no way in hell i was going into that place you know i mean uh and there were a lot of those kind of occurrences when i was doing these little radiator shop visits it's like crazy it gets scary when it gets you know the legal issues get done and their subpoenas and things like that and boy i remember going way out in western nebraska one time and the boss said hey make sure you call me before you go so that way we can maybe figure out about the time about when you got killed you know one of those <laughs> right. type things and just check in and yeah and uh out there's no cell phone service the sheriff drives by that's probably his brother or mm-hmm. uncle or cousin or something you know and in right this guy says, I'm going to, I'm fed up with this. I'm going to old Mexico. I remember him saying, you know, and he had like one of those dangly radiator shop mm-hmm. signs, you know, and it's just that, that was disconcerting because yeah, worried, it was a little scary at worried times. about my, my well-being. Well, um, they used to make us deliver citations that were in excess of a hundred thousand dollars. We used to call those significant cases back in our day and you would put the citation package together there was always a green card that had to be signed, and then they would then they would have us drive them out to some remote location and hand them to this employer, and you would you know you would get them to sign the green card and then run to your no car shit. before they opened yeah. up the package yeah. and realized yeah. you know, we just cited them for two hundred forty thousand dollars. Man, I always yeah. thought, why on earth would you make me hand deliver these citations? We're trying to get him to take a subpoena, you know, yeah. you have to deliver that, you know, and they're like, crazy. I'm not touching that, you oh know. Oh my god, yeah. And, and I, I don't mean to be, I, I'm an old guy, you know, but it used to, it used to bother me a little bit. And, and again, I don't mean this to sound like it's going to, but it bothered me that we would send women out on those inspections and women are very capable of doing these inspections. I'm not suggesting that, but you know, we would send Joan or Denny or Gina or, you know, Sherry who came later out into these remote locations to do construction sites yeah. or, and, and that. I, maybe that's more of a paternal instinct. I was probably old enough to be all other fathers, but that always bothered me a little bit, man. I mean, and and I don't recall that there was ever an instant incident that you know required any type of real follow up. But the the potential it didn't, was there. It did it did scare me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, their potential was there, and you're catching people in vulnerable times and yeah. states. Like I mean, oh, people yeah. that have had fatalities at their facilities. Some might have been friends, you know. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, it's it's a tough time. Uh, I'll tell a story on you uh, here. But, you know, then, you know, the other thing with you, it's like, you know, you've always been a little bit of a mentor to me is like maybe like a big brother type thing. But, yeah, we've been friends and I value our friendship very much over the years. And maybe the age difference, maybe you've been in between the big brother and crazy uncle. I don't <laughs> right, know. But exactly. Some, somewhere like that. But, no, yeah. I very, very much value our, our friendship and time that we spend. And talking about family and kids and, mm-hmm. and things like that, life well, yeah. experiences. Yeah, and compliance officers actually have lives outside of that world. Yeah, for sure. It's you not know. all the 
glory and glamour, right? It's not as glamorous as people, you know, and they used to always talk about, oh, you got to be careful. There are people out there impersonating OSHA inspectors. Then I always thought, man, you got to set your sights higher than that if you're going to be impersonating somebody. So here's my Doug story. So I would always get crap when I started about, and it was from Frank about, you know, you have a new hard hat on and it's all white, you know, and, and, uh, you got to get something, get that dirty, you know, these blood splatter or something, mm-hmm. you know, not from a person, but from, you know, a packing house or something in any way. I remember you and I went on an inspection, uh, big steel manufacturing place and it was a construction site. Huge. I mean, huge. And Doug, you're a big guy, big muscular, strong guy, kind of intimidating. Um, and I remember you standing there, and you were supposed to do the inspection. I was just supposed to kind of watch, you know. <laughs> I remember this. And uh, I remember looking over at you, and you, your posture's very good. You're big Arnold Schwarzenegger guy with this this uh, brand-new, fresh, white <laughs> hard hat on. Look like a Q-tip stuck uh-huh, on top of your right. head. And you're standing there, and you walk in there, and I look over at you, and I still remember the expression on your face. Your eyes were as big as dish plates, and your jaw was dropping. I'm like, shit you know he's gonna freeze he he, he kind of froze you know i'm not trying to oh no man you know it's like deer in headlights and i'm like and i still remember i said come on you know i said and and i i still remember that inspection because it was so intimidating that i mean i remember thinking to myself you could fly an airplane inside this construction Mm -hmm. it was it was enclosed oh yeah it was so enormous and we went out there for a complaint on this area and when you go as ocean you know it's uh uh, what do they call that? You know, you can expand the scope. You're supposed to mm-hmm. whatever in plain sight, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, how are we going to limit the scope of this inspection and get our job done out here? And then you weren't any help. Cause you were, <laughs> I you're, was just overwhelmed. It, 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 I remember that well. And man. to be honest, I was overwhelmed too. And I, to this day, I remember, Hey, we found some things related to the complaint mm-hmm. in the area. We were limited. We were able to limit the scope and get out of there. And I was just happy Mm-hmm. to this day that we did our job and got out of there without having a nightmare situation in our hands and you weren't any help at all. I was no, no, no help whatsoever. I still all. remember that one. And it was, I think we walked into the conference room at the, as you said, it was a steel mill. We walked into the conference room. We'd asked to assemble all the subs or whatever. And there were probably 40 people there. And I was supposed to do this opening conference. And, you know, we, we used to do opening conferences from a script. When you were new, you had all of these items that you wanted to make mm-hmm. sure you covered. Um, and then I just, yeah, the, the, just the sheer magnitude of the uh, project was eno- enormous. There had to be 700 subcontractor employees on site. It was huge. It was gargantuan. And I froze, man. Yeah, <laughs> but no. you just, you took me by the hand and kind of led me around I'm and like, you said, take a picture of that. Yeah. Take a picture of that. Take a picture of that. Let's go. Let's get I this do remember done. that, man. Yeah. No, those were, those were good times. Yeah. I, it was, it was good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed those. And you know, the good outweighed the bad. You know, there were certainly bad moments in that. Um, in, in that experience. But as you said, I mean, as far as learning, uh, it was an incredibly valuable learning experience. And, and you learn legal issues too, not that, not just directed to safety and health, but legal issues that, that absolutely that apply to all facets your, of your life, you know? And right. so, um, and the, I hate to go back to keep saying what, you know, you can use that term, what's the hazard for, you know, anything that's applicable in your everyday life, you know, about weighing that risk and, in living. Yeah. I know that it's interesting because you, you, uh, you'll be sporting one of these, uh, very classy. What's the hazard t-shirts here before long, maybe this weekend. And, um, you know, so my sons have what's the hazard t-shirts obviously because no one else wants them. So I've, I've forced my boys to wear them. And, uh, my older boy lives out in Denver and he wears, you know, his, what's the hazard t-shirt when he's skating or climbing or something (laughs) and I think people you know under these current conditions this COVID environment that we live in misinterpret that sometimes to be you know kind of an affront to the whole COVID issue and uh, so he said people have like said things to him, sure. some, some derogatory stuff. Like, and he's, no, 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 no. This is about a yeah. occupational safety. It has nothing to do with, Interesting. you know, whether there's a hazard with COVID or not. I'm not making a statement. It is purely, you know, a tribute to you, frankly, for mm-hmm. that crap you put me through in 1996 when I was a newbie. But it is interesting because I, I think, as we've discussed, um, that, that really is the question that should always be on the forefront if you're a safety person. 
you know, that's what you should always be asking yourself, you know, as you walk through a facility, you know, as you're dealing with some of these issues that come up, what's the hazard? And the other you know, thing that that helps simple. with is, is many times you have an employee or something, uh, bringing up an issue, right. And they don't get it, you know, and if you ask that question to them, it puts it in a different perspective or different light for them to maybe um, digest or understand the situation a little bit better. So not only is it for us, right? It's also for the for the um, employee too. To, That's a great point to understand their work environment, right? And maybe force them, particularly when they have issues or complaints or concerns to force them to do a little bit of critical thinking about that rather than just maybe they're just upset about something. Is there really, you know, tell me what the hazard is and then let's look at how we might be able to address that. That's a great point, man. Yeah. Brilliant. This is why I was lucky to have you as my mentor. So we're going to wrap up, man. I, I want to thank my sponsors. I would be remiss not to thank my sponsors. So we're going to do a little word association here. You're going to read a sponsor and I'm going to give a one word association First thing that comes to mind, although I've been thinking about it, so let's have at it. Okay, we can put you on the spot. Here. Let's do it. Yeah, okay. if you do them out of order, I'm going to screw this Uh-oh. up. So. No, we'll see. The first one is CCS Group or Custom Concrete Specialists. Uh, CCS Group. My word is commitment. Okay. Next, we have safety reports. Safety reports. Um, I'm going to hyphenate a word, customer service. I know that's two words, but... Uh, I'm going to call that one word. I'm, there's no space between we'll those two. We'll let you go on that All right. one. How about Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group? Uh, our good buddy Jim Cover, also an industrial hygienist. Um, I'm going to use the word free. Probably one of the things that people overlook is that that's an incredibly valuable free service. Excellent word. Yeah, I know. Uh, medical enterprises. Uh, medical enterprises, I'm going to say convenient good word also like that yeah yeah, yeah. mobile they're a mobile ser- mobile testing service uh makes life a lot easier when you don't have to send your employees to a clinic okay how about m a m a mid-america martial arts uh my buddy aaron Cerrone's company mid-america martial arts i'm gonna say community and i'm not necessarily trying to keep them all c words but um i love the the feeling of community over at that place so Nice. So thanks to all of our sponsors, Seth, man, it has been a pleasure. I hope you'll come back. And uh, we talked about the possibility of you interviewing me here in the, in the near future. Yeah, I'd love that. Uh, as long as you agree that you're not going to bring up any more of those embarrassing little, well, uh, you've had a colorful freeze. I've had a colorful, back, yeah, life. yeah, man, yeah, there's a lot. Of that there. would be a lot of fun. I hope you'll come back. Thanks for being here. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, just remember everybody. Um, I, I think that the takeaway message for today is, the importance of always asking yourself, what's the hazard? I think that something I learned from my buddy Seth, something that has carried with me all of these years, and um, I, hope you, I hope you do the same. Just remember, always ask, what's the hazard? And just remember, safety is personal. Uh, just remember why we do this. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.